On today's show, the Houston Rockets played their first game in the post-Eric Gordon era against the Miami Heat and came up just a little bit short after a defensive breakdown in the final second of the game, giving up a wide-open dunk to Jimmy Butler. We're going to break down the Rockets' defensive breakdown, as well as some of the other takeaways from the game. Jabari Smith Jr.'s big night, Ty Ty Washington's impact off the Houston Rockets bench, and much, much more. Plus, James Harden with some commentary about the Houston Rockets ahead of Rockets Sixers. All that and more coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green, Alperon Shengun, and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two. One. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Estonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, where I want your comments on what happened at the end of Rockets Heat. Uh, we're going to break that down as well as takeaways from the rest of that game. The defensive breakdown in the final second by the Houston Rockets after what was a series of buckets, free throws, a bucket by Jalen Green to tie this thing up. We'll talk about that. Jabari's strong night. Uh, Ty Ty Washington's impact off the Rockets bench and more. And then we'll... we'll Talk a little bit about the bearded one, James Harden, in segment three, uh, as he had some some thoughts about the Houston Rockets ahead of his return, or ahead of ahead of I should say ahead of the game against the Rockets in Philadelphia. But let's start with the end of this game because the Rockets played a really solid game against the Miami Heat. I mean, the Miami Heat are also a struggling team in the Eastern Conference right now. They have regressed quite a bit from where they were last season, but for the Rockets in the post-Eric Gordon era to step out. This is the first game that they've played since 2016 where Eric Gordon has not been on the roster. Uh, It's a new chapter for Houston Rockets basketball, and they stepped out, and I think there was a bit of a sense of, like, right? Like, Eric was, like, the adult in the room for this Rockets team, right? He was, you know, and and I think there was a sense of, like, everybody kind of looking around, like, oh, Eric's not here anymore. I guess we... Who who's the new adult? And I guess the new adult now is Jay Shante. That's who the Rockets decided to start uh, in place of Eric Gordon. So the Rockets actually rolled out a starting lineup of Jalen Green, Jay Shante, KJ Martin, Jabari Smith Jr., and Alperin Shingoon. So it's TBD uncertain yet whether or not Jay Shante will stay in the starting lineup and if KJ Martin will be the one that's moved back to the Houston Rockets bench whenever Kevin Porter Jr. makes it back to the lineup. Uh, but at least for now, it looks like this is going to be the starting lineup for the Rockets. Jay Shante, secondary ball handler. He's the other kind of pseudo-veteran voice for Steven Silas in the Rockets locker room, so it makes sense that he went with him as a starter. And it worked out, by and large, in this game. And, J- and I want to talk about Jay Shante, the energy that he provides, all that. But let's focus in here at the very end of this game for the Rockets. So to close this one out, uh, I mean, the Rockets, it was it was a gritty, like, 
muck it up, you know, low scoring affair for both teams. And in the final, you know, in the final 30 seconds, the Rockets had a couple different opportunities and they, they, you know, Jabari Smith Jr. tied this game up with a couple free throws at the charity stripe at 93 all. Um, and then after that, the Miami Heat came down and Jimmy Butler got a couple free throws at the charity stripe uh, off of what was like, you can debate whether it was a true foul or not. It's, you know, it, the way the NBA calls the game, it was a foul the way Butler kind of drove into the lane and, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, and hooked Jay Sean Tate's like arm while Butler was playing, while, while Butler was driving. Jimmy Butler goes to the line, hits a couple free throws, and it's 95-93, and it looks like there's a very slim chance for the Rockets to actually do anything. And what happens is the Rockets inbound the ball to Ty Ty Washington. Ty Ty Washington kicks the ball ahead to Jalen Green, who explodes in transition. The Rockets don't have timeouts here. Ty Ty Washington explodes in transition, and or sorry, Jalen Green explodes in transition and gets the layup on the other end and ties the game up at 95 all. I'm like, we're freaking out, right? This is, we're in Rockets Watch, we're freaking out. Game's tied at 95 all. There is .1 second left on the clock. .1. That's it. .1. And the Miami Heat call a full timeout and they run their out-of-bounds play and... It results in a Jimmy Butler wide-open backdoor alley-oop slam. And the defensive breakdown here is there. It's concerning for two reasons. One, Steven Silas throughout this game and throughout the season at points has subbed in Dacian Nix as a better, like, defensive guard, you know, as a better defensive option uh, on the court. Now, I will say uh, that's that's okay. Dacian is a better defensive option than most of the Rocket, the Houston Rockets guards. But Dacian Nix blew his coverages not once but twice before the ball was even inbounded on this final play. And a reason, main reason for that is apparently post-game, Steven Silas said that he told all his guys to stay home. He didn't want the guys switching anything on the final play. Dacian Nix switched twice. And so clearly that message fell on deaf ears and that led to nobody covering J Jimmy Butler and Jimmy Butler getting the wide open alley-oop dunk at the, at the rim. Now, so it's concerning because Dacia Nix clearly botched, you know, his coverages and that led to the wide open dunk. It's also concerning because in a moment like that with 0.1 seconds left on the clock and the only thing that the Heat could do was lob it up towards the rim and try and dunk it, why wouldn't you switch everything? That makes zero sense, right? You switch everything so that there is a body in front of every single person on the court. That way, as soon as the pass goes up, there's not a risk of somebody, you're not like fighting over a screen or somebody's lagging behind another player. No, you switch everything in that situation, right? That would be the usual defensive scheme to use in that situation. I don't know why the call was stay home on your man. That said, you'd rather see everybody, even if even if the Rockets had, even if staying home, even if everybody staying home had resulted in the loss, then cool, that's Steven Silas's fault. That's fine. But instead, Dacia Nix didn't listen to the instructions and it still resulted in the loss, right? It was, 
messed up for a couple different reasons there. And then also, final thought here, why was Tari Eason not in at the end of the game? Like, if you're trying to put out a, a versatile defensive lineup to stop what would have been the final bucket, a potential game-winning alley-oop bucket at the end of the game, why wouldn't you put one of your biggest, best defenders in? in the closing seconds? Why was Jalen Green on the floor in the closing seconds? Maybe the, maybe the argument is Jalen's fast and quickie and bouncy and twitchy and, like, you know, maybe he was going to be able to jump, you know, sky through the rim and block something and whatever. Sure, maybe maybe that's the argument, right? But at that point, then, I don't know, put Tari Eason in instead of Dacian. Like, I don't know, but not having Tari on the floor felt weird in that moment. So the Rockets played a good game against Miami Heat. It was a gritty ugly kind of muck it out, you know, slow paced, whatever. And they were right there at the very end with a chance to win it. And they messed up in a couple big ways after what was a couple really clutch free throws from Jabari Smith Jr. And an insanely clutch bucket and kick ahead pass from Ty Ty Washington to tie the game up at 95. So frustrating but almost if, if you look at it from the tankathon perspective almost a perfect loss for the Houston Rockets because they fought really hard it was an exciting game they had a chance to win and they lost in the closing seconds just like they did against the Sacramento Kings these are those like perfect tankathon losses although both the Kings game and this game I really wanted the Rockets to win man like this group of guys they need some wins right they need some wins to feel good about what they're doing they, to build their confidence and they deserved this win. They really did. They, they, I thought they played good enough to win this game, and they deserved to win this game. It's unfortunate that they, that they didn't. But I want to unpack a little bit more from this game. Uh, we'll get to our Locked on Rockets player of the game. Additional takeaways that I had from this one about Jabari Smith Jr., Jay Sean Tate, Ty Ty Washington, all that. Some of the struggles that we saw from Jalen Green, Alperin, Shingun. We're going to get there in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. As a small business owner or hiring a manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members that you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, just... Rolling on the same trend uh, here, we'll, we'll stick with, we'll start with Ty Ty Washington because I thought that Ty Ty played a fantastic game. And I was really encouraged by the fact that we saw Ty Ty Washington get 23 minutes off the Rockets bench, only 14 minutes for Dacian Nix. And again, situationally, Dacian Nix was kind of being used as like a defensive component for the Rockets. And Ty Ty was, was the, Ty Ty was, it felt like the backup point guard of, of this Rockets team in this game. And like the, secondary or I guess tertiary ball handler behind Jalen Green and, and Jay Sean Tate. But he finished the night six points, two of seven shooting. You'd like to see that be a little bit better. Zero of three from long distance. He had six boards, six assists, all in 23 minutes. A six 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 a stat line in 23 minutes. And 
even though he was only two of seven from the floor, here's the thing with Tai Tai is I feel like he, and I, and this matches the eyes test, right? He impacts the game even when he's not scoring the ball. When Tai Tai doesn't have, uh, you know, he, he might not score the ball at high level, whatever. He can still create for his teammates. The rebounding was there. And frankly, at this point, the only, like even when he's missing his shots, I really liked all the shots that he took, right? He was being aggressive. He hit a, he did hit a floater at one point. Um, even the threes that he missed, you know, missed all three of his three-point attempts, but they all looked good, right? He had the one where he like almost crossed somebody up and, and you know, stepped back into a three. And I swear if he had hit it, it would have been an insane highlight for him. But the aggressiveness with which he's playing as of late is fantastic, right? It felt mu like much earlier in the season when he did start getting some run or even in garbage time at moments, like it felt like he was playing very passively, right? Where he wasn't just, he wasn't playing his game. He wasn't looking to score. He wasn't doing this, that, or the other thing. Now it very much feels like he's playing his game and he's playing at the speed that he wants to play at. He's looking to get others involved. And again, he had one of the best plays of the night in that final inbounds, you know, final possession of the game to get the ball inbounded. Ty Ty Washington kicks it ahead to Jalen Green and gets the assist on what was the game-tying bucket in that final, you know, those final 10 seconds of the game. So, shout out to Ty Ty Washington. Hopefully this trend continues where he continues to get the bulk of the backup guard minutes. I understand if Dacia Nix continues to be a part of the rotation until Kevin Porter Jr. gets back, but at this point, there is no question about it. Ty Ty Washington is the better backup guard, and there is no reason that Dacian Nix should be playing minutes ahead of Ty Ty Washington. The only thing that Dacian Nix does better than Ty Ty Washington at this point is defense, and it's slight. And clearly, the defense is not all that because he blew the defensive coverages twice against the Miami Heat to lose the Rockets that game. So with that, I do not ever want to see Ty Ty Washington play behind Dacian Nix in the Rockets rotation ever again. It makes zero sense. Um, elsewhere for the Houston Rockets, we'll go to Jabari Smith Jr., who I'm going to go ahead and give uh, Locked on Rockets player of the game to. 22 points, 8 of 16 shooting, had 8 boards, had an assist, had a block in there, was playing some really solid defense throughout stretches of this one. Uh, really solid all-around game for Jabari, and he was hot in the first quarter. He was on fire early in this game. Kind of waned a little bit as the game went on. It, clearly, you could tell in the uh, like later in the game, late in the fourth quarter, he air completely airmailed a three, and you could tell like he just didn't have his legs in him. Um, and that's maybe some maybe Jabari is hitting the rookie wall a little bit. Maybe he's you know ex you know expelling so much energy on the defensive side and and hustling and doing this that and the other thing that as the game goes on, it's it's really hard for him to have his legs under him. And you know what what happens once your legs start to go, your shot doesn't you're sh you're not going to complete your shot, all that stuff. So for Jabari though, I really like the intensity with which he started the game. He was playing. Really solid defense through stretches. There were moments where the Rockets used him at the five. Uh, I, I really liked what we saw out of Jabari in this game, right? This was, you know, it, look, if he hit one more three, right, he was three of nine from three-point land, which is still good enough to raise his percentage because his percentage is so bad right now. So 33% still helps him out. But... Jabari knocks down one more three, right? He's at four, he's at four of 10 for the night, 40% shooting. You know, you feel that jump from 33% to 40% sounds monumental, but overall he had a really good game. Like this was the type of game where the Rockets were in this game because of contributions from across the board, because Jalen Green struggled and Alperin Shingun struggled. And usually when one, when one of those guys struggled, the Rocket, 
When one of those guys struggles, the Rockets usually struggle. When both of those guys struggle, usually the Rockets get blown out, right? Like usually the Rockets are just not even in a game if those guys don't have if one of those guys doesn't have it going. So it was really encouraging to see Jabari kind of be able to step up and KJ Martin kind of step up and then all the contributions from the Rockets bench unit as they were fighting through this game and finding ways to score, finding ways to stay in it with the Miami Heat despite the fact that they're two stars in Shingun and, and Jalen really did not have it at all in this game, right? Jalen probably suffering a little bit from the South Beach flu, had his uh, had his birthday, is now officially 21 years of age, and had his birthday in Miami, so that probably led to one thing or another the night before the game. Wasn't expecting a good game from Jalen because of that, right? That's the ultimate Miami Heat home court advantage is the South Beach flu. And then just the way that they were kind of Ding up on Alper and Shingun prevented him from really getting it going in this one. So for Jabari to be able to step up and kind of shoulder some of the scoring load early and finish with 22 points on the evening in his 34 minutes was an encouraging sign. Is Jabari going to be the leading scorer for this Houston Rockets team consistently all the time? No, but it's nice to see him when he can actually step up, hit the shots that he's supposed to hit, and have some moments even where he was hitting shots where he was getting, you know, he was cutting. Like, that was the other crazy part is we saw him cut multiple times off of Alper and Shingun post-ups and get right to the rim and finish at the cup. We saw him flash middle when they when the Miami Heat were playing zone, and he would, you know, he caught the pass from Ty Ty Washington, immediately turned and elevated and hit a mid-range shot. So we saw Jabari kind of score at all three levels in this game, including, again, the really clutch free throws at the end, which were, were big time from Jabari to, to ice those two free throws and, and bring the Rockets tie the game up at 93 before the ultimate bucket that tied the game up at 95 by Jalen Green, uh, assisted on by Ty Ty Washington. So Jabari is going to be your locked on Rockets player of the game from this one. And then I do want to still discuss uh, Jay Sean Tate, kind of his impact and what it looked like from him in the starting lineup, as well as a couple takeaways, a couple more takeaways from Jalen Green, Al P in this game. And then we'll also get to James Harden and some of the thoughts that he shared ahead of the Rocket Sixers game in Philadelphia. Uh, and a couple more little news and notes and sound bites about the Houston Rockets. We'll get there in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers, threes drain, who's going to be the MVP, sixth man of the year, Who's going to be the NBA Finals favorites? All of that. And you can check that out right now at FanDuel.com. In fact, the Finals odds for this year in the NBA, you got the Boston Celtics leading the way at plus 270. Milwaukee Bucks at plus 410. Phoenix Suns at plus 500 after acquiring Kevin Durant. Denver Nuggets at plus 750. And the LA Clippers at plus 1200 after acquiring uh, former Houston Rocket Eric Gordon. Oh, my. So with that, head over to FanDuel.com slash locked on for all your opportunities for a no-sweat-first bet. Uh, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with same-game parlays. Again, up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, a couple more thoughts from this Rockets heat game before we dive into 
uh, our James Harden quote. Also, I, I completely buried this. It's my bad, guys. I, I wanted to dive into talking about the Heat stuff. I wanted to talk about it right after the game had happened, and uh, unfortunately, I didn't have... I didn't have time Saturday morning to crank out a pot. I wanted to, and then Sunday was all sorts of hectic with the uh, with Super Bowl and all uh, just all sorts of stuff. So I'm a little late on this one. But uh, Danny Green, not a part of the Houston Rockets. So despite all the optimism from Rafael Stone and uh, the thought that Danny Green might be interested in sticking around in Houston, uh, the Rockets are not going to be holding on to Danny Green. They're working on a contract buyout with him. Uh, so, or waving him one or the other. I mean, he's Danny Green's not sticking around. Uh, so no Danny Green for the Houston Rockets move forward. That's a bit underwhelming. It kind of changes my attitude towards the trade a little bit uh, of Eric Gordon. It would have been nice to be able to hold on to Danny Green, but understandably, he wants to go compete for a title somewhere else. So with that, uh, Jay Sean Tate in the starting lineup for the Houston Rockets, I thought despite the lackluster numbers from Tate in this game, right? Five points, four rebounds, one assist, two of seven shooting. Having Jay Sean Tate in the Rockets starting lineup just ups the energy level so much, right? It adds so much more to the starters because look, even what, even though Eric Gordon was playing some, you know, better basketball over this last, you know, pretty much ever since New Year's uh, and was a bit more locked in at times, Eric's a guy that's locked in like when he needs to be locked in, at least on this Rockets team he was, right? He would he would lock in when the ball was in front of him. He would lock in and he would play defense, you know, and but it was it was selective, right? And he didn't bring a ton of energy in what he did. The way that Jay Sean Tate plays, the way that he pushes the ball in transition, the way that he looks to get others involved, the way that he does the dirty work, the defense, all of that, Jay Sean Tate just plays with a ton of energy, and it's infectious, right? And I think we saw that on display in this game against the Miami Heat was Jay Sean Tate playing with so much energy that it kind of poured and, and, and spilled over to the rest of the Rockets starters. And I think there's there's you know, some benefits to him being in the starting lineup as opposed to Eric Gordon, but there's also some negatives. So even though I think the energy was better for the Rockets, and I think they were playing with, you know, some renewed, you know, focus, whatever, a uh, rejuvenated style of play, they're like, oh, Eric's gone. All right, like, the vet's gone. All those shots are opening up. Cool. Like, it's up to us now. Let's let's go out and do this, guys. And the downsides for Jay Sean Tate in the starting lineup is he can't shoot the ball, right? And teams don't guard him defensively, just like they don't guard Dacian Nix. They don't guard Jay Sean Tate either. There was there were points where like the Rockets swung the ball to Jay Sean Tate in the corner, and Tate started driving before he even had the ball in his hands. Like he started mo- relocating out of the corner, caught the pass from like behind him, and tried to drive it in uh, to finish at the rim. Uh, and that is problematic for Alper and Shingun, unfortunately. And this was this was going to be this was always going to be an. Uh, I guess uh, an effect of trading Eric Gordon is EG, even though he didn't move around a lot offensively, even though he kind of was a very statuesque stationary type player offensively, he spaced the floor, right? Defenses honored him and EG would space the floor all the way out to like 30 feet. So because of that, it gave, it gives the Rockets more space to operate better driving lanes, more space for Alper and Shingun down low, all of that. And we saw that against the heat that LP 12 points, three of nine shooting was six of six, of the free throw line had eight boards, had three assists, had a steal, um, but he had four turnovers and the heat were crowding him at every chance that they got because they didn't have to guard Jay Sean Tate on the perimeter. And they, they were sagging off guys left, right and center. And they were crowding Alper and Shingo and they were sending doubles at him. They made life really, really difficult for LP because 
the Rockets didn't have any shooting answers for him to kick the ball out to. And on top of that, again, there were moments where Jabari was cutting and there were moments where guys understood how to move without the basketball to help Al P out. But there's also a lot of moments where the Rockets just kind of stand around and Al P picks up his dribble and he like is getting crowded, turns the ball over, walks with it, whatever. And the Rockets have to get better at understanding what to do when a double team show, you know, shows towards Alpi or when they start hedging towards him, right? How to how to drift towards the open spots on the floor, right? That's a big one. If you're a three-point shooter and you're in the corner, sometimes all it takes is you drifting like two or three steps to the left, uh, you know, so you're, you're still kind of in the corner, but not like all the way tucked in the corner corner, right? To open up that passing lane from whoever the defender is, right? Because usually it's one defender kind of checking two guys on the weak side when, you know, Alper and Shingun is posting up down low. So it's understanding how to recognize those moments and, and play off of those moments. And hopefully we see the team get better at that as the season moves along. Jalen Green, he had the big bucket to tie the game up at the end, uh, so I want to give him credit for that. Uh, he was doing a little bit of everything in this game, actually. He had five boards, he had four assists, he had a couple steals, uh, but five of nine, five of 19 shooting, I should say, 0 of 9 from 3. This was a really ugly offensive game from Jalen Green. Like, this was one of the worst games of the season for Jalen Green. And I expected it. South Beach flu, all that. He just turned 21. That's pretty much all there. I mean, it was... I can't really critique this game as much for Jalen because it's just, what are you going to do? You're hungover in Miami after your 21st birthday, more than likely. And you, he, he, he showed up when it counted, right? He showed up when it mattered um, with the big bucket at the end of the game. And that's what you need your star players to do. Even if they're struggling throughout the game, the Rockets were still in it, right? They were still, they still had a chance to uh, win this game right up there till the very, very end. And, I'm not going to harp too too harshly on him for the 5 of 19. I just want to see him bounce back in a big way against the Philadelphia 76ers, which is the Rockets' next game. And Monday night, it'll be a ton of fun going up against James Harden in Philly. However, the Rockets might be, like, sleepless, whatever, or are struggling from lack of sleep because the Philadelphia Eagles fans, who, you know, were distraught at losing the Super Bowl, entered the streets and were banging drums and yelling and crying out loud, just all that, uh, causing a scene in the streets of Philadelphia. And Jabari Smith Jr. was on his story sharing it, saying, he goes, he goes, come on, man, come on, guys, just go to sleep, please. I got Embiid tomorrow. Like, you could hear, you could hear the genuine, like, pleading in his voice. It was hilarious. So, with that, the Rockets do play the Philadelphia 76ers next, and it's always a ton of fun. Joel Embiid did practice, or I guess he did play at shoot-around, so there's a, chance, there's a chance that he'll be in the game. Uh, James Harden is should be playing, and it'll be interesting to watch this young Rockets team play against the 76ers, uh, see if they can take another game against Philly, seeing as how they took the one earlier this season in Houston, spoiling James Harden's return to his great city. And Harden actually had some thoughts to share about this young Houston Rockets team when asked about kind of the aftermath of the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving trade. So let's run that back and, and pick apart what he had to say. Could you have imagined uh, by the time you came back, Kyrie and Kevin would be gone? Yeah. Really? I mean, I didn't just, I didn't just actually leave for, you know, for no reason. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was in a really good place in Houston. Obviously we didn't have a chance to win the championship, but I was comfortable, you know what I mean? So for me to up and leave my family, and, you know what I mean? All the things that I created there to come 
to to Brooklyn for what a year and a half to try to, to get up and leave. It was for real real reason. You know what I mean? So, um, but I'm happy for the organization and what they what they what they've got back. They got some some really good pieces. So there's kind of two ways that we can go about reading this quote. First off, James said that he was not like surprised about, you know, get, getting, getting out of Brooklyn. Obviously he was like, I, I asked to leave for a reason. Um, but then he, you know, he segues into uh, leaving Houston, right. And talking about, man, you know, for, for me to leave my family, everything that I'd built there, you know, I was comfortable there, all that. He had a lot of praise and, and, a, and you could tell that he, you know, a lot of appreciation for what he had accomplished and what he did while he was with Houston. And so he kind of, you know, he's walking through that and then he talks about, you know, he's happy for the organization and what they got back. And there's a couple different ways. The way that this has been interpreted by myself and a few other Rockets, you know, Rockets media guys. And then on top of that, even the uh, the writer, the Philly writer who, who originally put this together, uh, I believe, interpreted it as he was praising Houston for what they got back and, and you know, the pieces that they got back. Um now there's I, I've seen a few people say that maybe he was actually praising the Nets and the pieces that they got back from the Kyrie and KD trades. Uh, so there's it, it's tough to tell it's tough to say which which way he was actually going with that answer. It looked like to me that it was kind of a rocket centric answer and him kind of praising the Rockets and and giving credit to the organization and then being in a good spot. And again, you you like it's almost unprompted, right? Like unprompted. James was asked a question about the nets and his time with Brooklyn and he brings up Houston, right? And he brings up his time in Houston and how much that, how important that was to him and what it meant to him and how serious it was for him to, to want to leave the organization and go and go and have a shot uh, at doing something in Brooklyn with, with Kyrie and KD. So it very much feels like James brings up Houston a lot unprompted, right? Where he just, you know, the question didn't really have anything to do with Houston. He probably could have found a way to answer it without bringing up his stint with the Rockets. And maybe this is like too much tea leave reading here, but it just, it, again, I think there's, there's some very real legs to the possibility of James coming back to Houston, right? You see, you know, where there's smoke, where there's fire, all that good stuff. And at this point for the Rockets, when you look at where they're at organizationally and what they've got going on, I mean, if the Sixers struggle, if the Sixers flame out in the playoffs if they don't find if they don't have the success that they are which again it's basically it, it, at this point I don't think it's like necessarily championship or bust for Philly but it's like finals or bust probably or like competitive Eastern Conference finals at a minimum but if they like get to the Eastern Conference finals and get like swept or like 4-1 you know gentleman sweep or if they don't even make it there in the first place Philly fans are going to want to blame someone and chances are they're not going to want to blame Embiid they're probably going to blame James Harden and at that point like James has talked about how comfortable he was in Houston, right? How much the city meant to him. His family's here, like all that. This is still, Houston is still his home. And at that point, after a few years of trying to make it work with Brooklyn and now with Philly, like, and coming up short each and every year, if it ultimately happens again this season, then there's a very real, real possibility where James could be like, all right, I'm packing it in. I'm going home. Let me come back to Houston. Let me go back to the city that I, that I claim is my home. And it might, you know, it would signal probably that he's done competing for championships, but it doesn't mean that he's a washed player, right? Him coming back would be a really, really good thing for this Houston Rockets young core and kind of teach, you know, setting them up, setting the table for all these young guys, for Jalen, for Jabari, all that stuff. I've really come around on the idea of it. So 
I wanted to share that clip here at the very end just because I thought it was curious. I thought it was interesting that he was talking about the Houston Rockets, again, in a very unprompted fashion. And, again, it'll be fun to see the Rockets take on James Harden again in Philadelphia. Maybe they can hand him another L. Um, They deserve a win. After the way these last two games have gone, they deserve a win. But... If Joel Embiid plays, I'm not super optimistic about the Rockets' ability to slow down Joel Embiid and James Harden. Because, again, the last time James played against the Rockets in Houston, it was his first game back after missing a chunk of time. So he was super rusty in that game. I think he shot like 4 of 20. So probably not going to happen again in this game, but knock on wood. Uh, with that, that's going to do it for today's episode. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast. That's Apple, Spotify, Google, Odyssey app, free and available on all podcast platforms. We're also available on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Let me know your thoughts from the Rockets Heat game. Let me know your thoughts about James Harden and you know his unprompted love and and commentary of the city of Houston. Uh, Was he talking about the Rockets assets or was he talking about the Brooklyn Nets assets uh, in, in the end of that quote? Let me know in the YouTube comments. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.